lumière du cinéma se Welcome to another episode of uh, Poetry to Your Ears podcast. Today we're joined by Ella. Hello, hello. Uh, do you just go by Ella? Ella Sadie. Ella Sadie. Ella Sadie or Ella Sadie Guthrie. That's your poetry name? It's my full name. Your full <laughs> well, actually, it's not my full name. I have another middle name, but I never use it. <laughs> yeah. And you have like a... Is that what the name you use for like your poetry accounts and your So... Books? That's my uh, byline, I guess. Yeah. So um, I publish under Ella Sadie Guthrie, and my Instagram and Twitter is at Ella Sadie OG. Yeah, there you go. Well, there you have it. <laughs> so, so, you know, now you haven't even heard anything from me yet, but you know where to find me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we start with that. Um, yeah, yeah so, so, how did, so how did you find out about uh, Ella in the first place, Lulu? Was yeah, it well, from Words by the Water. Yes, we Words talk about every episode. I think <laughs> <laughs> we're, like we're famous. Yeah, um, yeah. Tell me, tell us more about Words by the Water, maybe. So, Words by the Water is actually quite fun. Um, so, I run it with Ollie O'Neill, who is an incredible poet and a good friend of mine. And I first met Ollie at a night called Verses in London, which is run by Nash, Jack, and Nats. Big up the boys because they do an amazing job um and i was visiting with a friend of mine uh just open micing and ollie was featuring and i saw her perform her first pamphlet ways of coping and i just i was like who is this girl i love this so much she is so good isn't she? she's amazing <laughs> and um she actually gave me her book for free because i didn't have cash and then she was like just take it and i was like oh my god and then I followed her on Instagram and I think a little bit later she followed me on Instagram. And then, you know, when you're kind of Instagram friends of someone, but you don't really know each other. Mm. And then about a year ago, I think she moved down to Brighton mm. um, and didn't know anyone really in Brighton. So I messaged her like, hey, do you want to hang out? <laughs> so we went for a coffee and she was like, oh, where are the good poetry nights in Brighton? And I was like, mm, there's not that many, actually. Like, there's only a couple and I was like, do you want to start which, one? Which is weird because now I feel like there's so many nights. Yeah, I feel like we kick-started a movement a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, you know, there's not really that many around. Like, there's, like, the standard ones, but a lot of them happen in pubs and stuff. And I was like, oh, I really want to start a new one and, like, have it a bit, like, different and build it into something. And she was like, yeah, let's start one. So we did. And at that time... Where we run it is the Selena Hotel in Brighton and their room, Amy's room, was brand new and they were doing non-charging nights so they, you could hire the space for free for, for like the whole of June. Mm. So we did the night then and then because so many people buy drinks, which is, we, they allowed us to keep the room for free and then they make all the money off the bar. So it's Be been going Because you were well. doing like That's a, a creative deal. night and something like creative related yeah yeah yeah. so um they actually hold loads of other events in the, that room it's a co-working space and then come like five six o'clock they have like workshops and stuff but yeah we it works really well for the night as yeah. as uh, i think you guys can agree yeah, yeah. We, we we've been and enjoyed it there it's great yeah but how do you f how do you get poets for it features features yeah so ollie and i have been in the poetry scene for quite a while mm. A lot of the people who we get to feature are people who we've heard about or we've seen that we really like and who either feature a lot or um, deserve a feature slot or maybe have a book coming out and want to promote it. Um, 
So I think the last feature that we did was we missed out February, didn't we? So we did January. It was a fundraising. Yeah, the fundraiser. And then before that, it was PJ, the repeat beat poet, who is a good friend of mine, who's actually one of the guys who got me into actually being able to write poetry. I was a bit too shy and he was like, no, you can do it. So I did. You have some mentors then. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Like everyone does, I think, at least. And um, we're looking at doing a couple of shows in a bigger venue. So hopefully we'll get some bigger names like Joelle Taylor and Cecilia Knapp to come and perform as well. But um, Aflo was a recommendation from PJ. Connor came to our first night and he's amazing and he um we need knew that we needed him to feature uh and yeah just it's really just like you just see people if you get involved in the scene you start to know who's good and who you want and yeah yeah and how how difficult or challenging was it setting up this uh this ongoing event like, um, was it a daunting task while you were doing it or were you like excited the whole time while you're putting it together the first night was daunting um and then the second night was daunting because it was the first time that we charged for tickets because the first one was completely free you're always worried that no one's going to turn up it's going to be an Mm. awful night but now it's not we don't find it's not like it's not challenging still but it's more like we knew it was going to be good. It's just hoping that people will turn up. And it's also just remembering to do it on top of everything else. So like yeah. making sure that you've got the right like, ticket be... sales and everything. And everyone's gonna, everyone who's featuring is going to come and you have enough money to pay them and <laughs> everything like that. And you work in events as well, right? Yeah. So I also work in event production and operations. So that part is kind of, you kind of got it down. It's a yeah. much smaller event than... So it was a lot more natural for you to, to think about starting a poetry night. Yeah, I think it's I think it's easier than people think it is. One thing I would say is, like, if you want to do something, just figure out how to do it. Break it down into smaller pieces and just try and do it because I pr- it will probably work out better than you expect, unless Wait. you have too high expectations. So, so when did you start writing poetry, performing poetry? Was it, it was before putting the event together? Oh yeah, like yeah. years before. <laughs> and so were you kind of connected with you were kind of connected already in the poetry scene before you started the night, right? It wasn't yeah. a case of like building up completely from nothing. No, actually I'd w- I've wanted to start a night for a while, so I also co-ran a collective called Riot Collective with a friend of mine called Ruth and we started that in London. And all throughout the um l- the pandemic we did online poetry workshops and it was like a female focused collective so it was like mostly women and non-binary poets who um came along to our sessions uh and we actually have a zine coming out at some point this year so that's quite exciting that's of all exciting. the poems that we wrote in lockdown yeah. um so i'd already like been in that we'd been running that for like probably like a year and a half uh, but I lived in London I'm from Brighton but I lived in London for like years and moved back mm. during the pandemic so I was very involved in the poetry scene there for about three, four years. So, in London or in Brighton? In London. So, mm. what about the poetry scene in Brighton? <sighs> Not really. Like, I'd never really got into it that much because every time I came home, it just didn't really seem like there was that much on. Not compared yeah. to London. Like London, there's a lot of things going on all the time. Yeah. Can Can you talk about that a little bit? The poetry scene in London. What What it's like. Sure. So. 
the spoken word scene in London is is pretty big. Yeah. There's a night on almost like every. There's like at least three nights on every week. You it's know, almost like it's almost to. like that crossover between like rap and uh, poetry. Like yeah, you get a lot of that actually. There's a lot of like guys were like, I normally do this over a beat, but I'm gonna do it a cappella <laughs> yeah. tonight. And you're like, okay. <laughs> but um, also the uh, the page poetry and like the more established poetry scenes, like mostly centered in London. So you've got the Poetry Library, you've got the South Bank Center, you've got all these art funds that are like using poets to create like workshops or activities or even advertisements like in london so there's a lot more generally like kind of going on yeah i would imagine it's more tiered as well like you get more kind of like bourgeois poet poets you know (laughs) and then you have like a that more kind of rap of course yeah like for example the night i'm going to tomorrow is outspoken which started off as like quite a small night and now they're a publishing house and joelle taylor and um uh, forgotten the other guy's name. He's really famous as well, like famous poet, but I've forgotten his name. Anthony Anaxagoru. They run Outspoken basically, maybe with some other people and their night's at the South Bank Centre now. Mm. And it's like £10 a ticket, seated, wow. like incredible I've night. Had, I personally feel quite scared of uh, the poetry nights in London because it feels <laughs> so much more huge. So to like mm. do open mics and stuff is like got to be really good <laughs> honestly you don't you, you really don't i've seen some terrible <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not i mean i admire every single poet who gets up and says something like i think that's one of the most beautiful things about mm. the scene but i've seen some terrible poems so <laughs> don't worry yeah. about it um also the nights we said that with love <laughs> <laughs> we said that with love yeah you'll you'll get better soon don't yeah. worry <laughs> uh, when i first started i was definitely terrible so it's fine um, but I think in London, there's so many different types of nights. So, for example, the Poetry Society at the Poetry Cafe, they do an open mic night, which is like every Tuesday. And there's no feature. It's just open mics and they get through everyone. So sometimes there's like 50 people all doing one poem and it's crazy. It's insane. And it's like anyone from like trying like good people trying new material or brand new poetry and there's just so many different levels of poetry nights like tiny ones massive ones like it just it's everywhere Mm. but it's a much bigger city Mm. so so it looks like you really started with london then but when did you start writing poetry so that's a good question because i So I've always been a writer, but I started with journalism. I was a journalist first. Uh, and then when I was doing my NCTJ, I realized that I hated journalism. NCTJ being? Oh, it's a qualification. It's like a working journalism qualification. So it's kind of like an MA, but it's it's not really. It's like, it's a lot shorter. Um, and it's a lot more like intense. And then you finish it. Uh, <laughs> like a master you don't finish yeah it. no <laughs> <laughs> um and I was doing that and I absolutely hated it and I was like oh I just actually I really don't want to be a journalist and that's when I was getting into events more and at the same time uh I went to go I went to see Cecilia Knapp who is actually a Brighton uh poet uh, she's born and raised in Brighton and she writes a lot about Brighton, but she's like a Londoner now, basically. 
but the way she writes is so rhythmic she's basically like storytelling to a rhythm and as soon as I heard her perform I was like this this is what I want to do like that's what that's mm. what I've been looking for forever because when I was younger I wanted to be like a singer or a musician and I've always loved music but I can never and, I, and a performer but I've never really saw myself as an actress or I never got into like one instrument enough to be like I'm a musician so when I saw like performance poetry I was like this is what I want to do and I went home and how how old were you then oh it must have been about 22 23 mm. at the time so about five six years ago now I think uh I think that's maths. Age is a weird thing. <laughs> age, a, a pandemic age as well. I'm like, I don't know mm. what happens <laughs> there. Um, and I remember coming home and get, getting my journal out and just writing my first spoken word poem. And I was like, this is it. This wow. is what I want to do. So it came, it came quite easy. Yeah, it came easy, way easier than I thought it would. And that poem I still perform today, actually. Wow. So did you you had confidence in it straight away? Like yeah. You felt like it, it was felt really type. felt like something clicked. Like I was like, this is my purpose. This is what I'm meant to be. Yeah. How like, how do you how do you make a differentiation between like knowing something's good or not when you've just written it? That's a really good because point. Because I, I wonder this with with Eloise as well because she she writes stuff straight away and then you you don't really edit it too much after. Is it good or not good? <laughs> I agree and disagree. So when I first started writing, I definitely had that where I was like, I write it and then I don't edit it and it's done. Mm. So that was about five, six years ago. Now, with my work, especially doing more poems for the page, and now that I'm publishing a lot more, you go back and you edit a lot more. Um, but I think there's something intrinsic about writing a poem. I think you know when it's good and when it's not good. And I also think that one of the reasons that made me realize that I, this is what I wanted to do and that I was good at it and this was my purpose is that when I was a journalist, every time I would write, I would get imposter syndrome so badly and I'd be like, is this good? Like, who am I trying to impress? Like, I would just have like a meltdown every time I tried to write a big article because I was just like, I just don't know if I can do this. Mm. And when now when I write poems, even if it's a bad poem, I don't like judge myself as a poet I'm just like okay well this didn't come out the way I wanted it to I'll put it in the bank and maybe in a couple of years I'll look at it again and maybe one line or two lines might spur an idea for a new poem or maybe I'll borrow from it or maybe it'll be better or maybe I can go back and edit it then and have a look and see I think time is a really big thing with poems and and I think everything that you think of and create comes back to you in a different way it doesn't have to be like the be all and end all if you write a poem and you don't like it mm. so a lot of your ideas they gestate they take time to develop in your head yeah definitely before you mm. sit down and write it straight Wh out what was your first poem about my first poem is a poem called him and it's about um my first proper breakup which was a real serious breakup because we were together for like four years. And I still think love poetry is one of the best, uh, one of the best forms of poems ever. I think all poems are somewhat love poems in a way. One um, of the only poems I heard you perform was saying to your friend, you think you don't <laughs> want to write uh, love poetry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who said that at one of your nights? They said, uh, yeah, isn't they said every, every, poem every poem's a love, a love poem, poem or something like this. Yeah, I think that. And yeah, it's this poem about, uh, and it's very much a spoken word poem, like it doesn't work on the page at all. 
Um, and I think making that distinction when you start getting more into poems po- or writing poetry is is quite a key thing to create. Is that create. because it needs your voice to express it? Uh, you know, almost like singing a song. It needs yeah. to be expressed at the exact right. I think pitch. there's also, there's a rhythm to it. And um, some poems, they're more like monologues. And you read them to an audience and the audience is like, yeah, wow, that's that's great. I'm there with you in the room. And I think you definitely can get that with page poems, but the way you write for the page, you tend to miss out things like the or I, or you shorten things or you create spaces where the reader can fill in those gaps for themselves. Mm. And when you're performing in front of an audience, you need to fill those gaps in for the audience in order for them to follow you, mm. if that makes sense. So do you think that you do both? Yeah, I definitely. Think. And And some poems fit both arenas, but some don't. And I think I've started, it's only in the last like, year or two that I've really started to understand which of which poems work in which way. Like the first poem I wrote, I would never send to a magazine now. But when I was first sending things to magazines, I would send it along because I was like, oh, I love this poem. This is a great poem, but it doesn't work as well when you read it. Yeah. So so it sounds to me like from the start, you you did have an aspiration to get your work out there to maybe make something of it to to use it in some way you know there's i i feel like i'm not by myself but i feel like the vast majority of poets are kind of these tortured artists who keep everything hidden and secret and you know (laughs) never never put it out in front of people yeah not me (laughs) (laughs) i think perhaps it's because when i found poetry i was so amazed that i'd found it because I was always looking for what exactly I need, like what form I needed to express yeah, myself in. Yeah. I always knew that it was writing in some way, but mm. I could never quite figure out where I was supposed to lie. And um, yeah, as soon as I found poetry, I was like, this is it, this is what I want to do. So and you went to uh, yeah. open mics then straight away? Yeah, so a friend of mine, PJ, who is the repeat beat poet who came and featured at our night in December, he runs a night called Penting um, in London, which is a really good night if you get the chance to go. And uh, this is when they were first starting it up and I was like, oh, I want to um, do an open mic. And he was like, come to Penting. And he put me on the open mic list and didn't tell me and uh, was like, come up, do a poem. <laughs> and I was While you're in the so scared. <laughs> but I did it and everyone was so supportive yeah. and I was like, do you know what the thrill and that rush real buzz yeah yeah. i was like i want to do this all the time i want to do it i want to be on stage i want to like pour my heart out to strangers maybe (laughs) it was good that you didn't know so your stress was very short yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah i still get that like nerves now when you're like waiting to go on stage and you're like oh is the audience gonna like it are they not and you have a book coming out i do have a book coming out (laughs) (laughs) shameless plug yeah um so the book is a pamphlet it's being published with broken sleep books which is an independent poetry publisher um on the 31st of august so basically september you'll be able to buy it and it's called poems for pete davidson because (laughs) i have a massive crush on pete davidson and I don't care who yeah. knows it, apparently. <laughs> He's really popular with the ladies. He is. And I do mean, you know what? You either get it, the girls that get it, get it. Yeah. The girls that don't, don't. That's all I'm going to say about it. Well, that's not all I'm going to say about it. We're probably going to talk about it a lot more. But 
actually don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't He's the guy who's dating um, uh, Kanye's ex. Yeah, Kim Kardashian. Kanye's ex. Yeah, he could date so many women. But, he but who is he, an actor? He's a yeah. comedian. Comedian. comedian and actor, yeah. So he's on SNL. He's been on SNL for like nine years now. Mm. Um, he's. I think he's really funny, and yeah. I think that's also partly why I'm really attracted to him because his his sense of humour is. Just I knew, like I knew exactly him from the, you know these kind of roasts, these comedy roasts yeah, yeah, like yeah. before us, and now where he was just this like small comedian. So how do you write a whole yeah. collection about your crush on Pete Davidson? So <laughs> the whole collection's about that. The whole collection is about wow. Pete Davidson, but <laughs> I have posts? to clarify. That's commitment. <laughs> I have to clarify that um, it's actually about me, like. It's about it's f- poems with Pete Davidson. They're about Pete Davidson, ha ha. But they're actually about me. Like all poetry <laughs> is actually like about the writer. Sure. I think. Um, and so basically, I've got ADHD as well. And ever since I was a child, I've been like my uh, like ability to fantasize and daydream is like second to none. Like I can create entire worlds in my head and just zone off at the click of a fingers and just create this whole world and just live in it. Um, it's always something I've been able to do. So I've always had this like intense imagination. Mm. Mm. Uh, Maybe that's you why you found writing poetry easy then. Yeah, I mean, I think that's how like it all just like kind of clicked and came forward to me. Yeah. And I can use it as a um, as a starting point, I guess. But it was also quite hindering because all I want to do is daydream. Sometimes. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to ask about that. If you're a big daydreamer when you were a, a child. Oh, massive daydreamer when I was a child. Yeah. I literally lived in my own head like all the time. I like read all the time. I would follow the story on in my head, like create all these little worlds. Mm. Um, I've also always had a thing where whenever I'm walking or running, I, I use I, it makes the daydreams more vivid. So I would run up and down my hallway wow. as a child for yeah. hours <laughs> creating these worlds in my head. And now when I look back at it, I'm like, huh. Yeah, ADHD, that kind makes sense. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I've always been able to do that. And um, I was creating, I basically, what the poetry collection is also about is celebrity culture and this fascination with success as well as like celebrity and fame. And especially when you're a writer, like sometimes you're like thinking about, okay, well, where do I get to the point where I feel like I've achieved something? And for me, I've always been a big fan of Patti Smith. So I've always imagined myself like living in New York and being like a writer and like Fran Lebowitz and yeah. stuff like that. Mm. Um, so I was thinking about it and I was like, in this world that I imagine myself living in, who could I be with? And I was like, oh, Pete Davidson. <laughs> like at, at that yeah. time, yeah. now he's like blown up because he's dating Kim Kardashian. But yeah, at that time, he'd like just broken up with Ariana Grande. Why, why just does he only date when was that super then? famous women in your opinion? I think because he just gets like, everyone's like, why are they going for him? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe because he's actually secretly sexy. <laughs> like, <laughs> he must be a really good, good lover. Like, <laughs> come on. And he's funny. Everyone loves yeah. a funny guy. Yeah. Um, he's, well, he's like he's he's got a really cool look as well, right? Like he's yeah. He's, I feel like so many guys are like copying his look right now because yeah. because of his like status. But I also think like he's so he just he's he's self-deprecating but self-aware. So yeah. I feel like things just kind of rub like he's just like yeah like this is me whatever like he can just do it you know. Um, 
but yeah so like that's basically how the whole thing came about so I started fantasizing loads about him and then I wrote one poem and then it got published in a magazine so I was like maybe I should write a whole collection about these like weird <laughs> yeah. things I was like they're they're in my head anyway he inspired you to write these love poems yeah well they're, I was like, like they're like, in my head anyway I might as well figure out about something yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I might as well use it yeah. you know if it's there if it's not doing anything I might as well write some poems about it and then at least I feel like I'm achieving something mm. and then um at Ollie's book launch I read some of them and um it caught the interest of a publisher so I sent them the cle- the collection of poems that I had and they were like yeah I want to publish this so it's kind of crazy cool yeah <laughs> so, that's so when was that then so I got the news of the of the book being accepted in December so that's really exciting you must have been elated I was so happy. I announced <laughs> it at the Christmas dinner table the same way that people would announce, yeah. like couples would announce the birth of their first child. Like, oh, we're pregnant or we're engaged. I was like, guys, I have a book. <laughs> I mean, it is the birth of your first child. Yeah, it is the birth of my first child. I was like, I have a baby. And my mum looked at me like, what? And I was like, it's a book. <laughs> <laughs> Dramatic. Yeah. And then everyone was very excited. And my granddad asked me what the book was about. And I said, Pete Davidson. And he looked at me. And he said, who's that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I told him, and the look on his face went from elated joy to like confused disappointment. <laughs> oh. So it's fine. <laughs> no, they're very happy, but they have no idea what what I do really. This, um, this like theme, most parents. This, yeah. this theme keeps coming up when we talk to people about uh, they w- when they were in school, their appreciation of poetry was like not that great. They mm. they kind of saw poetry as something that was. Foddy Duddy, it was uh, like war poems and, and uh, <laughs> old. Uh, yeah, it's just not relatable, like not yeah. an art form that you can appropriate yourself. Do, do you, you recognise that sentiment? Do oh, you, 100%. You, is that, it's almost like when you found spoken word poetry again, it kind of like, was it, it, it felt yeah. like something new. So it like really, it. it really, really rejuvenated the whole industry for me. And I do think that even though, yes, there are a couple of Caroline Duffy poems, a couple of poems written in like, um, kind of like Jamaican tongue as well. Like I looked, my cousin is 16 and I looked at her GCSE poetry textbook. She asked me for some help and I was like, oh God, I'm not even sure I can help you with these. Cause it's not, that's not really my yeah, jurisdiction, not, I guess. Um, literature critics is that quite yeah I was like I don't know how to write an essay on this for at GCSE level like I just know how to appreciate it I suppose in my own way um but yeah when I was at school I I didn't dislike poetry but I didn't really get it and I was big into reading I loved books and stories and plays to a certain extent as well um but I just didn't really get poetry I don't think enough I don't think they teach it in the right way. And Did you uh, ever feel like you wanted to be a novelist? Um, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to be a novelist. I wanted to be an author when I was a kid. Uh, still do now. Like, still got ideas for books <laughs> that are yet to be written. <laughs> mm. So the so the poetry thing was, it was kind of like a, a coming back to something that was a bit more uh, artful, more aesthetic, rather than political, would you say? Yeah. It seems like your poetry is not very political in that sense that's a really good uh, point because I part of the reason 
I when I kind of made that proper switch to poetry. I mean, I still do a tiny bit of music journalism here and there, and I s- would love to do some documentary stuff. But I've realised that I wanted to be an artist. That I was born to be an artist, and I could with my art, I could speak about what I wanted to speak about, etc. I'm still a very political person. My degree is in politics and mm. I think politics affects every single aspect of your life and in mm. and I think it's a privilege to say that it doesn't. Um and when I was younger I used to write a lot more political stuff. But now I just kind of write what I wanna write. Mm. But I think even the Pete Davidson collection is political in its own way because it deals with talks about celebrity culture and fame which is a part of society which is ruled by politics so did you ever write like very politically engaged poems yes when i first started writing i used to work for a charity called my life my say which gets young people engaged in politics and i wrote two poems in total one of which is still in circulation as a video which was to get we did like a spoken word video where we got young people engaged to vote and the other one i performed in the house of commons so oh wow, wow. Yeah, yeah i did used to write a lot more <laughs> political stuff but it's more spoken stuff that's not never really been recorded apart from that video somewhere but and what was the yeah. poem like that you performed in the house of commons it's laden with expletives it's called tea with my granddad and, um, <laughs> complete opposite. Though. Complete opposite, yeah. Uh, <laughs> fork in the road there. Pre- pre-read it before you performed it. <laughs> it's um, so basically. I had the idea. I was. Freak- I knew that I was commissioned to write this poem, and I knew I was going to perform it in the House of Commons for this APPG, and it was basically like a hearing. It was about young people and Brexit, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to write about because I didn't want to just go in like, "Here's a political poem." Um, and I was having tea with my granddad, who uh, is a conservative voter. We were talking about politics and we were having discussions and disagreements. And But we always have quite interesting discussions. He's always very like open-minded, but the likelihood of him changing his vote is very slim. Um, and I just got really inspired by our discussion that day. And I just wrote about how all of the ways that we discuss politics and change our minds and um at the end of the discussion he was like you know you should run for like mp you know he's like you're you'd be great you you should do it uh it inspired me (laughs) (laughs) and it inspired me to kind of have the message of the poem be like you know everyone needs instead of complaining about it you can still complain about it but like make the effort to do something Mm. i guess which, uh, I mean, especially in these days, feels quite hard and far away, but mm. the message was there, at least. Maybe it was the idealistic youth, but, you know. Um, so you asked Ella to prepare a poem for today? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll read a poem from the, from the Pete Davidson pamphlet. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. What a treat. Uh, so this is, like, so brand is new, un- exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. unreleased. Like I said, this this collection is all uh, all about poets called poems for Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson takes on the general theme in uh, pretty much all of the in all of the poems. They differ between scenarios that I'm thinking about with him. So like I'm creating this like daydream in my mind and I describe it in this daydream, but it 
draws in real life and everything like that or there's something that's going on with Pete Davidson that I'm reacting to in in the collection is it in some kind of chronological order yes or is it oh it is, it is. so, it, so mm. it kind of tells a story like an it imaginary de- yeah. rom- romance story it basically it does it's wow, it's all in chronological <laughs> order um i think there's a big market for this pete davison love i do, I do. <laughs> do you know I, what i think it's I, gonna be <laughs> my friend was like you've timed this perfectly and i was like i did not mean for him to blow up like this this has happened completely by accident it just so happens that every time i'm watching the news i'm like pete please don't do anything to jeopardize my pamphlet coming out like be be the good guy um so this poem is one of the scenarios that i've created in my head so in all, there's all these different scenarios in the book of um, how Pete Davidson and I eventually meet. And this is one of them, and it's called Pete Davidson and I Meet in a Hip New Art Gallery near Brooklyn. Pete Davidson and I meet in a hip new art gallery near Brooklyn. And I've never actually been to Brooklyn, so I can't describe the surroundings or the street or tell you which letter train I took to get there but I can tell you it is raining outside and I am big black boots and dungarees. And everyone in the art gallery is careful to hold each other's expectations in the corner of the room. Desperate. Don't accidentally alter priceless pieces. In this scenario, my hair is long, dark and dripping wet. I never remember an umbrella and I left my hat holding onto a rope the kind that could break at any moment when I look into the mirror and see my real reflection. I am wearing a long grey coat by Ralph Lauren I got for free from a girl who left her flat in Camberwell for Singapore at late notice. In real life, I lost the coat a couple of years ago. But here I am, an island in its waters, reminding myself the good things always come back. Pete Davidson stands alone for once, He is admiring a piece of art projected onto the wall. The piece builds the longer you stare at it. At first you don't notice the small alterations, the offering of each layer, a mother-in-law slowly adding more sugar to your tea. A whole conversation passes before we look at the art again and see a totally different escape. Wet wood an hourglass, a dog waiting for its owner to come home. I see none of these things and yet I feel them in the absence of what came before. I say nothing. It reminds me of the Joan Miro Museum at the top of Montjuic, Barcelona, where I spent the whole day contorting myself into thinly veiled paintings of dicks. I tell them, I tell him this. He laughs. Bravo. That's one of the poems. <laughs> and this yeah. didn't happen? Unfortunately, not yet. Not yet. I'm yeah. manifesting it. Yeah. Maybe the whole book is a manifestation of my of my daydreams. So you'll meet him in different ways then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking of um, doing a show based on it, like a play, kind of based on the so book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And calling it Pete Davidson, Please Call Me. <laughs> it feels, yeah, it feels like a... Like a like one-woman show. Yeah, 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 yeah. It feels like a scene in a, in a movie, actually, as mm. well. You know, like... like just we want more you know we want to yeah. find out where this is going <laughs> well you have to read the yeah. book to find out <laughs> it's like kind of narrative poetry yeah yeah i think like narrative is a real thing that i love using in poetry um it's how i started 
writing and I think it's how it will always have a really big impact on the way I write yeah it's like surreal narrative is kind of the way I like to the way I like what I like to call it like mm. it's happening but it's something it's also like kind of not happening in a yeah. weird way you, i like you, that you lost your coat <laughs> yeah i was gonna say you you kind of acknowledge the fact that it's kind of a fantasy within the poem right yeah by this mention of this uh coat yeah it's so a, the whole book actually i the references it to it being a fantasy is right. very like it's very self-aware even if it's a bit extreme at times um and it also it plays with the whole idea that I'm like I know that this is just a fantasy and like what does it mean for me like why am I thinking these things Yeah, you know? well that's that's interesting. Let me ask you a di- direct question. Like sure. Why, so, uh, why is it important to flag that up in the poem as opposed to just telling the fantasy? Because I think the whole book, like I said, even though I said the book is about Pete Davidson, it's not. It's actually about me. So I think the importance of flagging the idea that it's all made up in my mind is bringing the reader back to the idea that it's actually not about Peter Davidson. It's about mm. the like, narrator. You know, it's about me. It's about why I think these things and how they come into my brain and what it means for my idea of like self-worth or... I think it should sell it to everyone who thought daydreaming was wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Time back to that daydream. If you write down your daydreams, <laughs> yeah. you're fine. Like or to <laughs> teachers who say, <laughs> "Yeah, focus now." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I might send it to all my teachers who ever told me to stop daydreaming. I'll be like, "Well, yeah. I published a book out of it, so there it's we go." It's like uh, the importance of having uh, kind of fantasy life mm. within your life as well. Yeah, there's, there's something special about that. Sure, but I think so. it it also helps like helps you figure out what you what you want in a weird way or like you know i think a lot of this book is an exploration of why i'm so obsessed with like success in this way and what success means to me Mm. and um the whole book is an exploration of going down that road and being like well do i really need this like why do I think that this is the be all and end all? Like, why do I feel like I have to be in New York to like be a writer? Like I don't, Mm. but it's always been that like pipe dream for me. And a lot of the book is about New York as well. So it's like a bit of a love letter to both, I guess. Mm. And in a way with this book, you first got published. So it's success. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Honestly, it's, it's a dream. Like I think, you know how, like I was saying when I first started doing poetry and I was like, oh, um, I feel like I'm where I'm meant to be and this is my purpose. Uh, as soon as I started being like, okay, well, instead of like going against the grain and fighting myself for these daydreams and beating myself up for it, if I just start writing them down and using them as part of my art, mm. and then I did and then the success came with that. So it's almost like the universe is pointing you in the right direction. Mm. Um, is it, have you ever read The Alchemist? The book, The Alchemist? No. Uh, yeah. Yeah? yeah. So it's kind of like, I feel like my personal journey, like my personal treasure is this. And every now and then the universe will point you in the right direction and you'll be like, cool. So what's The Alchemist about, Ruff, quickly? It's a fable, kind of like allegory um, of this boy who... Um, is off to find his he has a dream about buried treasure and then he realizes it's his personal destiny to find this treasure and he ends up um, 
going into the desert and finding the pyramids and meeting this alchemist who teaches him all these life lessons. But the the book is basically like a book of like life lessons, but it's all wrapped up in this story. If you haven't read it, I very much recommend going to read it. I yeah. listen to it almost you every night. You read it night. French? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's Portuguese. It is Portuguese, mm. yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's a translation. Do, do we remember the name of the author? It's Paulo Coelho. Coelho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you have any advice for first getting published? Yes, I do. I do have advice. Um, yeah, give us all your information. Advice that I wish <laughs> wish away. I'd listen to. Exclusive uh, advice. Exclusive <laughs> advice. Okay, so if you're a writer and you first want to start getting published in magazines, because you'll start with magazines, really, unless you're like big on the spoken word scene, um, in which case you'll probably do a show and then you might do a book with a publication publisher who like knows who you are. Um, but if you want to start publishing pieces in magazines, um, the first thing I would say is go through your work and edit. Uh, the second thing I would say is learn how to write a poetry cover letter and a bio, because when I first started writing, like sending stuff off to publishers, I had no idea what I was doing. And I look back at some of the pieces that I was sending and I was like, no wonder they didn't publish this. It just wasn't right for the magazine. It wasn't right for page publication at all. And like the way I wrote the cover letter was really not how a poetry cover letter should be mm. should be done. Well, what were some of the mistakes you were making in your covering letter? Um, I was just so one thing I would say is always figure out who you're writing to. Um, if you're sending stuff off to magazines, read the magazine. That's so important. Read the magazine. If you're looking to first to start getting published in magazines, subscribe to some magazines. So like even like the big one, like Poetry Foundation. Um, Poetry Wales is a really good one. Um, Tangerine and Belfast, uh, that's a really nice magazine to subscribe to. Um, Under the Radar magazine, which is part of Nine Arches Press. Um, subscribe to, or like Poetry London as well, that's run out f run from Goldsmiths, I think. That's a really good magazine. It's got really high caliber poets in it. Mm. Just start subscribing to some magazines or even just reading them or going to the Poetry Library and reading them when you get the chance. Because um, they've got a load of magazines there that you can read you'll start to get a sense of the kind of things that they publish. Um, and then your work will just get better with reading. Like one of the biggest tips I can say is read more poetry. If you want to start publishing poetry, read more poetry, listen to more poetry, do whatever you want, but just get more poetry into your bloodstream. Um, and then you'll start to understand which magazines want which kind of stuff. Always get the editor's name, address your cover letter to the editor. If you can read one of their poems so you know what kind of style they they are, do that. And then write a short bio, like 50 words, and include it in your cover letter. And just acknowledge the editor and the magazine for reading it. Don't go into too much detail. Um, listen to what kind of work they want. Send that kind of work and make sure that your poem reads well on the page, not just to be spoken. And then the other thing I would say is just keep submitting. You'll get rejected a lot at first, like a lot, a lot. But every now and then you'll get an acceptance. And then the more acceptances you get, the more you kind of understand how the world works and it will start rolling through. Mm. And you'll start like just kind of figuring it out. It is a bit of a trial and error process, but just do your research is the biggest thing that I can say. And um, 
Have you experienced a lot of rejection letters and oh, things like that? Oh, like loads, loads. You yeah. should see my submittable. It's like rejected, 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 rejected. <laughs> I've also got one with the like, with the New York Times at the moment. I think which is like like in pro progress. Yeah, and it's been there for like a year. So what <laughs> They're like notorious though. But you, I, I, the point was that you kept going at it. You kept oh, persevering. Yeah. Just right? keep going. You didn't. You didn't. You know, rejection letters don't actually hurt that much anymore at all. Like, yeah. it's, just part of the process. it's just part of the process. You're like, okay, yeah. they didn't want it. Like, mm. fine, someone else might want it, mm. or maybe it's a chance to take a look and see if you need to make some edits on it. Um, and I've definitely done that with poems in the past. I've really? looked at poems that I've submitted somewhere because they might come back to you like six months later and then you're like mm. oh let me have a look at that poem and you're like oh of course they didn't want it it's like riddled with grammar mistakes oh and not like grammar yeah, well, well not even like that but like with poetry you have to be really specific with your grammar like in poems for pete davidson for example there's no full stops throughout the entire um collection and that's put on purpose there's a full stop on that last poem because it's kind of like a chain of thought so the last poem is meant to be the full stop is meant to fight like symbolize it's done yeah. finalized over mm. so i did that on purpose but you know sometimes you'll put like a full stop and then you won't put a full stop anywhere else in the poem and unless that's intentional it doesn't read that well so you'll start to understand how to grammatize your own poetry and stuff so th so the the pete davidson collection is conclusive at yeah. the end of it, it there's not going to be a sequel well we'll see <laughs> <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Pete Davidson and I will get married and then I'll have to write a sequel, <laughs> an abridged version. It's coming out 31st of August. 31st of August, yeah. yeah. Where can we buy it? You can buy it on brokensleep.com, uh, uh, probably the best Broken Sleep Books, I think it is, brokensleepbooks.com. Uh, also, if you follow me on Instagram, at LSADOG, I will be posting about it like all the time, <laughs> so yeah. I'm sure you'll be able to cop a copy from me. All right. It was cool. so good to have you. <laughs> I think we covered everything. I feel like yeah, I've been talking like non-stop. <laughs> you can follow Ella on Instagram. Yeah. Ella City OG. And you can follow our Instagram. Poetry to your ear. Bye. Bye-bye. Je dois être excité. Oui, mais il faut dissimuler. Je dois attendre que ça se passe.